Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Open your Bible to Matthew chapter 28 if you have it. If not, we'll put it on the screen for you. Matthew 28. This is uh, Matthew's recollection of what took place on the first Easter Sunday morning. Verse number 1. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. So Mary and Mary Magdalene came right at the break of day, and they were coming uh, uh, to see the tomb. Now, now, my first question that comes up just when I read this, if we're just reading the Bible, my first question is, where are the guys at? And all the ladies said, amen. When you need prayer, let me just tell you something. It really helps to have a lady praying for you. There is something about the heart uh, and the prayers uh, of a lady that can just change everything. I know this because I married a lady that just prays for me all the time. And she makes me feel like a superhero all because she just prays. But I wondered about it. I'm like, Lord, why was Mary? Uh, I can understand Mary being there. But Mary Magdalene, what was, what, why were they there first? And I realized that the Lord is constantly making his word come to pass. You see, the Bible says in the book of Genesis... That God made man in his likeness and in his image. He literally crafted man first, then he made woman. And, and, and it's simple to understand because anytime you want to do something great, you always need a rough draft. <laughs> but man was made first, then lady was made. But here's the situation. The Bible says the last shall be first. Mary and Mary Magdalene said, I'm not interested in anything else. I know you guys are scared and hiding in an upper room, but I'm going to make my way to the place where they laid my son. I'm going to make my way to the place where they laid my Savior, and I'm going to see what can be done there. I'm going to be the first one to get there. Somebody's going to make a decision this Easter morning that you don't care what anybody else thinks in your life, that you don't care what any of your, the rest of your family's doing, but on Sunday mornings, you are going to be the first one to get to a place and say, I'm going to magnify God. I'm going to celebrate God. I'm going to do what he said I should do. The scripture says that they got there and behold, there was a great earthquake. Everybody say earthquake. God knows how to shake things up in your life. You can just be rocking along and all of a sudden God can just shake everything in your life. You can think you have your life figured out and all of a sudden God can just cause the plates in your life to move just enough to cause everything to shudder. The Bible says that a great earthquake came for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. I love that. The angel descended from heaven and in his descent, it messed up the tectonic, 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 easy for you to say, plates in the earth. And they shifted and moved. And a great earthquake came. And he shot down. And he grabbed the stone. And he rolled it out of the way. And did he did one of the most swag things he could do. He just sat on it. The one thing that all mankind thought would hold Jesus in, the angel just flicked it out of the way and then used it as a recliner. 
What I love about it is this. In Mark's recollection, the Bible says that Mary and Mary Magdalene, when they were on their way to the tomb, they were talking and they were trying to figure out, how are we going to move the stone? You see, God makes a way for you where there was no way. God does the impossible in your life before you even know it. But, but here's the great thing about it. Mary and Mary Magdalene, they didn't know how they were going to move the stone. They didn't know how it, was going to get out, how it was going to get out of the way. What they did know is they were going to be in the right place at the right time. They were going to be in the right place at the right time. Sometimes faith, let me rephrase that, almost always faith is going to ask you to take a step without knowing the end. And when you understand, knowing the end from the beginning, the starting point, is not your business. The Bible says God knows the end from the beginning. We realize our job is not to know the end completely. Our job is to be willing to take a step when God says take a step. There's a man named Paul Crouch. Him and his wife founded TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network. It's the largest television network, actually a, a bunch of networks, that has ever existed on planet Earth. And it is owned by a spirit-filled Christian family. Can we give God a big hand of praise right there? And he said in his life, faith was this. Faith was going to the edge of all of the light that you can see. Get to the edge of everything that you can understand. Get to the end point of everything that you can see with your five senses, that you can sense with your five senses. Get to the edge of the darkness and then bold and brazen, take one more step. You see, faith doesn't have to know the end to be obedient. The Bible says that the angel of the Lord moved the stone that they were concerned about moving before they even got there then was sitting on the stone. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, for fear of the angels, the keep, for fear of the angel, the keepers did shake and become as dead men. Ooh, I love the Lord. Did you know that your adversary is petrified of the kingdom of heaven? And did you know the kingdom of heaven resides on the inside of you? So everywhere you go, demons tremble because the kingdom of heaven is on the inside of you. Everywhere you go, your enemy shakes and trembles and becomes like a dead, like, like something without life. All because you come into the room, because you come into the atmosphere. When that angel shot down like lightning, his raiment was white as snow. He was strong enough to move the stone and sat on it. The, the keepers, which were the soldiers, which were tasked to make sure nobody messed with Jesus' body, they shook and they fell as dead men. And the reason they did is because angels are not something you want to mess with. The Bible says in the Old Testament that one angel, everybody say one. One, one angel killed 185,000 people in one night. If I was a soldier and I was supposed to be keeping that closed, I would be shaken too. But here's the great thing. The angel not only caused fear and trembling in your adversary, the next thing he says to the ladies, fear not. 
Every time God speaks to you, almost exclusively, he's going to start with something like this. Just don't be scared. Just don't be afraid. In just a minute, I'm going to give you three keys to how you can walk in resurrection power every day of your life and why it's important to you. But one of the keys that you have to pick up before we even get there is you've got to realize all of the kingdom of heaven is powerful, but all of the kingdom of heaven is for you and not against you. Don't ever look at God like, I wonder if he loves me. I wonder, listen, he proved his love for you with three nails on a wooden tree, on a tree 2,000 years ago, and he put an exclamation point on it when that Galilean foot walked out of that tomb and proved that death, hell, and the grave could not hold the Son of glory. Don't ever look at the Lord and go, I wonder. Yes, he can be petrifying, but he's petrifying to your enemy, not to you. The angel says to the ladies, he says, fear not. Don't be afraid. And he says, I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. Everybody say crucified. Crucified. It's very important to know he was crucified. Almost every major religion believes Jesus was born to a virgin, just like our Bible teaches. Almost every major religion believes at some point that he ascended into heaven, just like Acts chapter 1 says in our Bible. But there are several out there that say that he was not killed. One in particular calls you an infidel if you don't believe it. Excuse me, calls you an infidel if you do believe he was killed. Because the problem is this. If he was not killed, then there was no payment. And if there was no payment, then you still have a debt. And if you still have a debt, you have to pay it. The Bible says that everybody has sinned or done something wrong and fallen short of the glory of God. The scripture continues to say that the wages of sin is death. The payment, if you have ever done anything wrong, the payment for that is death. It is, an, it is an account that each one of us is paid. So the only options are either you pay it Or somebody ransoms you. Somebody pays your debt for you. So when the angel said, I know you seek Jesus who was crucified, it was almost like he was just making a point that says, listen, for the rest of eternity, there's going to be things that come up and people are going to argue, but you have to remember, yes, he is alive. However, you have to remember he was killed because if he wasn't killed, there is no price paid. But because he was executed... Our debt has been paid. He continues to say this. Verse 5. The angel answered and said to the women, Fear not. I know you seek Jesus which was crucified. Verse 6. He is not here for he is risen. As he said. I love that too because I I tend to put things in in, in a little bit of a uh, a satirical uh, bend sometimes. And I could just picture that angel because he was obviously moxie enough to sit on the stone. I could picture him saying, he's not here. He's risen. And then he was like, just like he said, bro. (laughs) Everything Jesus said, he did. You haven't done everything you said. I haven't done everything I said. Jesus did every single thing he said. Everything. In other words, heaven and earth might pass away, but his word will never pass away. If Jesus said it, you can hang your hat on it. You can rest your head on it like a pillow. You can believe it. You can hold on to it like a bulldog. And you never let it go because Jesus does not tell stories. He does not fib. If he said 
He's going to, he's going to. And let me tell you what he says to you today. You and your whole house will be saved. Oh, but Junior's acting crazy and, and Sister's acting wild. You and your whole house will be saved. I'll tell you what else he says. He says you're more than a conqueror through him. Which means when you don't feel like a conqueror, when you don't feel victorious, when it's Monday again, which BT-dub, it's coming. When you don't feel successful, the word of God is still true, just as he said. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. He is not dead. He is alive. And if you understand that he is not dead, then you have access to resurrection power on a daily basis. And when I say daily basis, I literally mean every day. Because inside of Jesus, you will be fulfilled. You will have purpose. Your family will have purpose. Outside of Christ... It's, it's impossible to experience peace that surpasses your understanding. But when you get in Jesus, when you believe on Christ, now all of a sudden you have peace in times when you should not. You have peace in moments where everybody else is losing their mind and you're just going, I just thank God that he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, I don't understand why I'm going through this, but heat the fire up seven times hotter, fine with me. My God can deliver me and he will deliver me, but if he doesn't, I don't bow my knee to anything else. I have peace that passes all understanding. I know he's making a way for me. I can't see it, but I know he's making a way for me. You have a peace that supersedes all of your thought processes and all of your experiences because he can't lie. I'm going to give you three keys real quick. Everybody say three keys. Three keys. Number one, if you want to experience resurrection power in your life on a consistent basis, there's three things you have to ignore. Number one, you have to ignore your doubts. You have to ignore your doubts. The most famous doubter in the world is Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas is the one who, when Jesus came and showed himself to the other disciples, that happened to be the day that he skipped church. And they came to him and they said, Thomas, you missed it. Jesus walked through the walls. We saw him. We talked to him. He hugged us. We hugged him. It was amazing. And Thomas goes, I can't believe that. Bro, I'm telling you, don't you remember? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He turned water into wine. He made all those blind people they could see. He healed lepers. He told demons where they could go. He did all this stuff. You don't believe it? He goes, look, he said, I'm, not, I'm just telling you, the only way that I'm going to believe what you just said was I'm going to have to touch the scars on his hands and the scar on his side. And when we hear that, we can think, bro, Thomas, come on, man. You walked with Jesus. But have you ever had that moment yourself where you say something like this and maybe you never say it out loud? If you'll do this for me, God, then I'll do that for you. If you'll prove you are this, then I will do that 
What I want to do is I want to tell the other ten, I want to tell the other ten, the only reason you believed is because you saw Jesus. Why are y'all giving Thomas a hard time? Because he hadn't seen him yet. What I like about Thomas is he was brave enough to ignore his doubts. Because even though he was struggling with them, he still made his way back to the upper room and back to the disciples. And when Jesus showed himself strong again, he reached out and he says, oh my goodness gracious, I can't believe. I'm sorry that I didn't believe. I'm sorry I doubted. And Jesus said, no, don't worry about it. You want to touch my hand, touch my hand. You want to touch my side, touch my side. Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this room full of 11 people, full of 11 people, and I'm going to change the entire world. Thomas ignored his doubts long enough to show up again. Sometimes in your life, you're not going to feel like you have victory. You're not going to feel like everything's going great. You're not going to feel like life is all roses. Everything's not going to be wonderful. All I'm telling you is in the middle of those doubts, you've got to get good at ignoring them and pushing in faith anyway. You've got to get good at saying, listen, I, I, don't, I don't understand everything all the time. I still have my doubts, but I'm still going to believe God in the face of adversity. I'm still going to believe God in the middle of this situation. And I'm going to get real good at ignoring the doubts. Because if you can ignore the doubts and push in faith, listen to this right here. The Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You think on faith... Faith becomes who you are. Give God a big hand of praise. You got to ignore your doubts. Number two, you have to ignore your haters. Bump your neighbor and say, I'm ignoring you. Don't, don't do that. You have to ignore your haters. If they are going to hate, 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 hate. You've got to ignore all those. What's the other way that people say it now? That are throwing shade. (laughs) You have to. If you want to experience resurrection power, you've got to ignore your haters. And let me just be, be, be real clear with you. They are going to come from the most unexpected places. They're going to be, listen, and I'm not prophesying to you right now. I'm just telling you. They're going to be in your family sometimes. They're going to be around you at work sometimes. If you're in school, they're going to be, they might be, you know, in your dorm. You may pass them at the breakfast table every morning. You're going to have haters at every area of your life, at every season of your life. And you just need to understand, you don't have to get rid of your haters. You just got to ignore your haters. They're never going to have your best interests in mind. They're never going to have the best plan for you in mind. They're never going to have any of that. Never, never, never. But the one that changes everything got very confident, remained very confident and steadfast even whenever some of the haters in his life got so close that they entered into his inner circle. The Bible says that right before Jesus was... uh, um, uh, arrested that they had the Passover meal in, in an upper room, which is a very spiritual thing. Let me break it down for you. Upper room literally means an upstairs room. <laughs> and they had what we call the Lord's Supper or communion, where Jesus breaks the bread and he gives it out. He says, this is my body given for you. Then he takes the wine and he says, this is my blood 
poured out for you and for many. But there was one there, the Bible says, and he was the treasurer for Jesus' ministry. His name was Judas. And he carried the purse. He carried the money. Never trust a man that carries a purse. (laughs) (laughs) He carried the money. He was the treasurer. And the Bible says that he would talk about people's giving. That he would get real, real uh, religious and high and mighty when somebody would give an extravagant gift to Jesus. Oh, they shouldn't have done that. We could have taken that and sold and given it to the poor. When in reality it wasn't about the poor at all. It was because if they put it in the treasury, then he could steal from it. Because he was just skimming off the top. He was a crook. He was a hater of epic proportion. And in that moment at dinner, he's sitting there and Jesus still breaks down for the others what was most important. Because Jesus was exceptional at ignoring the haters in his life. If you're going to experience resurrection power on a daily basis, you have to get good at ignoring when people are not your biggest fan. You're not called to live for them. You're called to live for him. And I I wondered about it because that's what I do, I guess. And and I I, I said, Lord, I said, I don't get it. I, I said, why? Why would you allow Judas to be there? There's a big table. They're they're having communion. They're probably having the Seder meal at Passover. So there's other elements involved as well. It's like there's an upper room. He sent two of his disciples uh, earlier that just to prepare the thing. So it was obviously a nice setup. I'm like, Lord, why would you allow your enemy to be sitting there at a banquet table with all these people that were close to you? And then I remembered. Psalm 23 says this. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. You need your enemy. You need your adversary because God's about to make a spectacle out of you. He's about to bless you and you're coming in. He's going to bless you and you're going out. And your enemy's going to be sitting there going, I don't understand it. And you can look them right in the face and say, you don't have to understand it. I don't follow you. I follow him. You've got to ignore the doubts. And you've got to ignore The haters. Number three. Everybody say number three. three. You have to ignore your rooster. (laughs) Bump your neighbor and say, ignore your rooster. Come on, I'll explain it in a minute. Tell your other neighbor, ignore your rooster. (laughs) You have to ignore your rooster. If you're going to live in resurrection power, if you're going to walk this thing out, if you're going to experience Jesus on a daily basis, you have to ignore your rooster. And and let me explain to you. The same dinner that we were talking about, Peter was sitting there, and and Jesus said, one of you guys is going to deny me. And and Peter's like, ah, it wouldn't be me, Lord. And Jesus is like, I wish you'd just be quiet. He's like, no, Lord, for real, like me and you, you know, you call me the rock. I mean, you obviously saw something in me. He goes, Peter, just chill, man. And he goes, no, I would never, I would die for you. And Jesus said, all right, that's it. Before the rooster crows, you'll deny me three times. Peter's like, no way. Not me. Have you ever told the Lord what you wouldn't do and then you did it? (laughs) Have you ever told the Lord what you would do and then you did not? 
cock-a-doodle-doo. <laughs> they arrest Jesus. They start to convict him, and then they start beating him and slapping him, and there's this crowd of people all around, and Peter's kind of on the outskirts, and people start saying, you knew him? He said, I don't know that guy. Another one says, you knew him? I don't know that guy. Another one comes up and says, you were with him. He said, I was not blankety blank, blank, blank with him. The Bible says he began to curse. As soon as he denied him the third time, that rooster crowed. And conviction, could you imagine the conviction? The fullness of the Godhead bodily standing there. And you deny knowing him. And in that moment, the Bible says that Jesus... And Peter's eyes locked. I believe it was the look of grace and compassion that kept Peter alive until victory was finally made on that first Easter. I believe it was a look that was so filled with love that Peter was incapable of taking his own life. Because I believe that's what he would have wanted to do. It's what Judas did. But I believe that one look pulled him just enough until victory was fully paid. The Bible says that Peter denied Jesus and almost everybody who's been in church at all, we all know that story. And, and I think, wait a minute, that's not the end of Peter's story. And some of you, if you were judged on the middle of your story, it wouldn't be so favorable but you don't judge a book until you're finished with it. Have you ever started a movie and you're like, this movie's terrible, then halfway through it, it starts getting better, and then by the end, you're like, this is the best movie I've ever seen. I can't believe they shot the dog. Come back, killer. Best dog on dog. It's just, it's just, the enemy wants you measured and weighed right now. And he's constantly crowing trying to remind you of what you did before when you have a good shepherd who's constantly leading you, trying to remind you you are not what you have done, nor are you what you used to be. You are a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and everything has become new. But you have to ignore the rooster. And you think, oh yeah, that's good. I'll ignore the rooster. Let me tell you about Peter. Peter lived in a different day and age than you and me. He didn't have Kroger, didn't have H-E-B, didn't have Sam's, didn't have any. I don't want to live without Sam's. I'm just going to be honest with you. <laughs> Sam's is one of my favorite places to have lunch. I like to go over to the little place where they got the little thing and they're giving samples. Let me tell you how to do it. And don't act all haughty like y'all ain't never done this. You act like you're interested in the food they got. You're like, oh, so what you got there? <laughs> oh, a hot pocket. Oh, that's, look, let me see here. How many calories is in that? Like I care, you know? Mmm, <laughs> that is just, mm, that, that's tasty. You have a trash can? Yeah, right here. That is tasty. Now, where are these? And they're like, it's down the way, right there in the freezer section. And you're like, over there? You're like, yeah, over there. And you're walking like, okay, thank you. And you're watching. And as soon as she turns away, you're like, okay. Because you never had any intention of buying the Hot Pockets. You're just hungry. And one of the best tricks, I'll just give you one of my tricks. 
You go, okay, this is really good. You know what? This little, this little meatball is phenomenal. And she's like, yeah, it's, it's made with great sauce. It's really good. It's just great. You know what? I've got some kids. They would like these. Can I take some of these for my kids? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like sticking them between my fingers. My hands start to look like porcupines. I'm carrying as many little toothpicks with meatballs as I can. She's like, how many kids you got? I'm like, none of your business. And as soon as I get around the corner, I'm like, bite, 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 trash. And then I go find Crystal and the kids. And the kids are like, Dad, we're hungry. I'm like, we'll eat when we get home. <laughs> I don't want to live without Sam's. Sam's one of my favorite things to do. Big old baskets way bigger than other baskets. They love people with twin children too. They got two seats in the basket. But they didn't have refrigeration and all this stuff. So if you wanted some poultry in your life, you had to have some chickens. And if you wanted to have more chickens, you had to have at least one rooster. If you wanted some eggs, you had to have some chickens. Dusty streets, small villages. There were chickens and roosters everywhere. And here's the thing. I can look out and I can tell. Some of you people are country folks, so this is not going to be news to you. But we've got a rooster. He's my son's. My son's name is Walker, and he named the rooster Walker Doodle Doo. <laughs> and the interesting thing about rooster, and many of you guys are going to know this, roosters don't just crow in the morning. They crow all day long. And they, when they crow, it's a very arrogant thing. I don't know if you've ever seen a rooster crow, but they're like, no, I'm not going to show you. But they, <laughs> they're just real proud about it. And I would say, if he's in town, I'm saying every street corner is going to have a rooster on it. So for the rest of his life, Peter was reminded of his past. I would say probably every 10 steps. Cock-a-doodle-doo. But Peter realized that resurrection power is more powerful than anything you've ever done. Resurrection power is more important than anything you've ever talked about. And there came a place in Peter's life where he realized the only way that I'm going to get to the next level is I've got to ignore the rooster. I can't keep looking back at what I was and think I'm going to accomplish what he's called me to be. There's got to be a place where you say, all right, I'm ignoring my doubts Forget it. 2017, from this day forward, I'm ignoring my doubts. Yeah, everything could happen. All kinds of things could happen wrong. But I'm not spending one more minute thinking about what could happen wrong. I'm going to focus on the one who makes everything right. I'm not going to give one more minute to my haters. Some of you guys are going to get real bold. You're going to delete some phone numbers out of your phone. You're going to go on Facebook. You're going to say, hide, click, hide, click, hide, click. You don't need all that stuff. If they're not going to celebrate you, get it. Get it out. We got too much to do. Jesus lived. Jesus died. And he rose from the dead. And he wants you and me walking in resurrection power.
some of you are going to ignore the rooster. You're not going to listen to that voice anymore. Because what was cool about Jesus is that same story we read in John 21. The Bible says that right about that time, Jesus is having a conversation. And he says to Peter, he goes, Peter, do you love me? Peter goes, yeah, I love you. He goes, okay, feed my sheep. He said, Peter, do you love me? He says, yeah, I love you. He says, feed my lambs. He says, Peter, do you love me? He says, you know I love you, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. I believe it was to help Peter get over the three denials. He gave him three opportunities to say love you. You have to ignore the rooster or you'll miss the next opportunity. Stand to your feet, please. Resurrection power changes everything. Shifts all of our eternity just like that. And when you've experienced it, you want to give it away. I find something very interesting. You see, crucifixion, remember the angel said he was crucified. Crucifixion was uh, conjured up by the Romans at that time. And it was supposed to be the most heinous, hardest way to kill somebody. It was supposed to strike fear in everyone's life. So you would go to a city and you would know the Romans had taken over because there would be people hanging on crosses outside the city. So while you're walking up, you would see, hey, don't mess up here because we'll kill you like this. It was the symbol of fear in that society. It was the symbol of everything that should be scary in that society. It was the symbol of everything that should be hard. Everything that should cause you to quake and tremble was locked up in a cross. And here's the situation. When you walk in resurrection power, God does something amazing with your life. But one of the crazy things that he does with your life is you don't stop going through trials. How many of you can testify that even as a Christian you've had some trials? Just wave at me. You don't stop going through trials. The difference is when you walk in resurrection power, he turns your trials into trophies. He turns what you went through into what you tell people about. He turns everything. Do you remember David? He took a little slingshot and he went and he killed a giant. The Bible says he takes that giant's head and he carries that giant's head through the city. And the trial that should have snuffed out his life became the trophy that he just paraded around with. When you go through something and you live in resurrection power, your trials become your trophies and your trophies are what you use to encourage other people that they can make it too. That's why you went through that stuff. That's why you had to endure again and again and again so you can tell somebody else, he did it for me. He'll do it for you. I know this because he did it with the most heinous thing imaginable. The cross is now something that we put on our necks and we wear it around like a badge of honor, like a trophy. We eke it on our arms. We decorate our homes with it. We put it on top of our church buildings. We stab it in the ground at a graveyard to make sure everybody knows this is only a temporary place. God took the most heinous way of execution possible and He made it a trophy where we carry it around. 
only God can take your trials and transform them into trophies. Only God. Please bow your head. If you're here today and you're not right with God, you're not living right, you're not doing right, Jesus is not Lord of your life. It would so hurt me if you would come to this place and you would hear the truth of who Jesus is and you would not turn towards Him. Because what you will find is what Peter found. Even in your worst moment, eyes of love and compassion will look through your soul to encourage you to come to Him. If that's you today and you're here and you're not right with God, you've never given your life to Him. There is no better day than Easter Sunday. It's when everything changed. Maybe you would say it differently. Maybe you would say, Preacher, I used to walk strong with God, but I'm backslidden. I'm like the prodigal son. Maybe He's still my Savior, but I am not certain I've been a good friend to Him. If that's you, we'd love to include you in that prayer. In just a moment, I'm going to ask every person that wants to accept Jesus today for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. And with an uplifted hand, you're simply saying, Oh God, remember me and listen to me. He really, really will. He will wrap you in loving arms, wash you white as snow. All of your sins will be forgiven. New life can begin today. If that's you and you're in this room and you say, that's me, preacher. I I don't know where I stand, but I really want to. I feel it in my heart. I feel something on the inside of me. If that's you, you say, I need my trials to turn around because they seem overwhelming. He'll turn them into trophies. If that's you and I count to three, I want you to lift your hand with an uplifted hand. You're just saying, oh God, that's me. One, two, don't miss this chance. One, two, three, lift it up. Wow. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Keep them up, tall and bold. I see that hand. 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 Thank you. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you very much. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you very much. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Hands are still going up. I see that hand. I see that hand. It's not too late for you. Lift it up. I see that hand. 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 Thank you very much. I see that hand. Thank you very much. I see that hand. Thank you very much. Is there anyone else? We're going to pray in just a moment. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you to pray this after me from the bottom of your heart. Matter of fact, church, help us pray. Let's all pray. Say, oh God, I come to you now and I ask you to save me. Write my name in your book. I believe Jesus lived, died, and rose from the dead for my victory. I'm a Christian on my way to heaven and I commit today To ignore my doubts, ignore my haters, ignore my rooster, and trust the one who turns trials into trophies. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Give God a big hand of praise.
We hope you are blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.